I've worked with lots of technical people throughout my career, and they bring both unique challenges and great opportunities to leading others. On this episode, what great technical people can leverage from leadership. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 312. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. If you're joining for the first time, welcome. So glad to have you. If you're returning, glad to have you back for another conversation. Today, what great technical people can leverage from leadership. I've had the privilege throughout my career, uh, most of my training career actually, to work with very highly technically trained people in helping them to develop their leadership, people skills, communication skills. And I have found it to just be such a pleasure and an honor and also a unique challenge to uh, really work with people who are extremely talented and extremely bright and to help them to leverage more and more of their, te- their leadership and people skills. And I'm really thrilled today to welcome uh, one of our listeners to the show uh, who's been a longtime listener. We've talked uh, many times. John and I have met up uh, in person before. And that is John Lockhorse. John is a leadership coach and consultant based in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. He partners with CPAs, CFOs, and other leaders who face massive change in their industries and recognize the need for a new model of leadership to navigate those challenges. Prior to launching his consulting practice, John enjoyed a 30-year career as a CPA, CFO, and organizational leader, and he's here today to teach us about what uh, technical leaders can really leverage and technical people in general can really leverage from leadership. John, welcome to Coaching for Leaders. Thanks, Dave. It's great to be with you and appreciate all that you're doing to advance the cause of leadership and leadership development. Well, the pleasure is mine, John. Uh, when you and I met up the first time and we were talking, I, I just was really impressed with what you've done in your career and how you've really worked hard to help technical people to develop. And before we get into some of the details of the conversation and some of the strategies I know we'll talk about, uh, maybe it makes sense for us to just, first of all, just define what a technical person is. And obviously, there's going to be some broad brushstrokes here. But um, when you think about technical people, what what comes to mind for you? And, and how does that play out in your practice? Well, Dave, my background is as a CPA CFO, as you said in uh, the introduction. And so, you know, I, that, that's really where I start in looking at that definition. It's people who are, you know, professional people that are really focused in a specific area And I would say along with CPAs, you could include lawyers, you could include doctors, dentists, IT people, engineers, people like that, where you come out with a very specific training in an area and uh, your success, especially early on in your career, is how well you're doing in that technical field. When I started out, my thought was to be the best accountant that I could be. Didn't think so much in those early stages about the fact, eventually, I'm going to be leading people and leading organizations, and uh, just being a good accountant wasn't going to be enough. I am curious, what what was the change point for you, John? Like, What started to change your thinking that you began to realize that it was more than just about the, the accounting piece of your job? I think it was when I got to a point, and this was in my CPA career, and I had uh, responsibility for staff you know, giving them 
work to do and assignments and taking them out with the, to client projects, giving them direction, realizing that it wasn't just enough to have them read the checklist, read the program, so to speak, or the manual and get going, that there were a lot of interpersonal things that were going to be required, you know, a lot of relational communication aspects to helping them to be effective, uh, not just uh, doing my own work. So it's part of that shift that we often see when somebody goes from being an individual contributor to being in a leadership role. I know one of the things we've both seen is that leadership development for lots of different reasons tends to get a little more neglected sometimes with folks who are in technical fields, like we've mentioned. Uh, Where do you see this play out, John? Why is it that we tend to have this orientation of people in a technical world that maybe leadership development isn't as important? I think there's a lot of factors in that. And I'd go back again to my CPA experience, as well as the work that I'm doing now as a coach and consultant. When you talk about a public accounting firm, there's a a lot of pressure. There's this relentless pursuit of billable hours. And anything that you're doing that's not billable can be seen as costing the firm money or uh, neglecting to to raise that revenue. So that, I think, has an impact not just in the training and development side, but a lot of other areas as well that would be leadership-oriented. Uh, the accounting world is a very deadline-driven world. If you think about people that work in public accounting, the 15th and the end of the month is a deadline virtually every month for something. And so that daily grind gets in the way. And it's not that different for people in uh, private industry or for other professionals. There's this constancy of work that can get in the way. You get caught up in the, in the whirlwind and you have a hard time pulling back out of that. Uh, a lot of times we get focused so much on the technical side. You know, there are changes that are occurring all the time. The CPA that works in tax, for instance, there are constantly tax law changes that need to be learned and applied for their clients. And so it's easy to focus on that and neglect the uh, the soft skills side as well. In fact, you know, th- from a structural standpoint within the industry, many states actually limit the number of hours that a professional can spend in those non-technical topics when it comes to the continuing professional education that's required for licensure. So that can get in the way. And it's, uh, it's a mindset thing. It, uh, it can be a blind, set, blind spot where CPAs and CFOs just don't recognize the need and the fact that uh, it's not enough to be good at the technical these non-technical areas are going to be important for them to advance professionally or to grow their business if uh, they happen to be one of the owners or executives. You've mentioned something to me that I can relate to too, of the tendency sometimes to focus more on the client's business than on my own. Tell me more about that. Yeah, that's one of those things where we hear the stories about a lawyer that uh, is so busy doing wills for his or her clients that uh, they don't take care of their own family. Uh, There are accountants that you see written up in the the news at times that uh, get in trouble with the IRS because they don't file tax returns. And you wonder how can that happen? But a lot of times it's because they're focused on their client's business and trying to help them grow and trying to help them navigate, and they don't step back often enough to, to look at their own. And there's uh, oftentimes a, a lack of realization that not only am I doing a, accounting work or processing accounting transactions, but I've actually got a business here that I need to invest in. 
that can be common among small businesses in general where we neglect to work on the business because we're so busy working in the business. But I find that to be uh, often true within these technical fields. I'm thinking about the recent conversation we had about solitude on the show with Mike Irwin and just the tendency for all of us to uh, you know, almost work on everyone else without even taking the time to step back and work on ourselves as leaders too. So I th- it's almost like that 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 same challenge just manifested in a little different way. And I I think this goes both ways, John, because I'm uh, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the show before, but a lot of my work with Carnegie over the years has been working with aer- people, especially in the aerospace field. And so I've really gotten to work with some brilliant people. And I know one of the things you you and I have both seen is. Sometimes a little bit more of that overconfidence, the smartest kid in the class effect. How does that show up when you run into that? Yeah, I think that goes back to that uh, comment about it being a blind spot. You know, a lot of times, you know, the technical professionals come through, especially, you know, in those fields where you need an advanced degree. You can't be a lawyer without going to law school. You can't be a doctor without going to medical school. And so a lot of uh, people in these professions are used to being the smartest kid in the class. You go through school, you get the high grades, you get into those advanced programs, you know, postgraduate work, and it can be easy to, to become overconfident. And, and that's true in, in any of those technical, you know, I'm really good at being a, a lawyer, I'm very good at being an accountant, but uh, then you start having to manage people or you start having to lead an entire enterprise or a department. And it's not easy to admit that, hey, this is something that uh, wasn't part of my training, and I'm not really sure what I'm doing here. I need to get some help. It's not always easy to admit that when you're used to being at the top of your game. Well, and like you said, a lot of these uh, professional certification programs don't really zero in on more today than they did. But even today, it's still a very limited amount that really focus on the leadership, communication, people side. And so it makes sense that it's the kind of thing that of us would struggle with, especially if you've got a lot of training. Doing well in school and, and getting good grades and all those things and getting certifications in a way can almost work against you if it's taken to an extreme. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that is true that you can get so caught up in the technical side and excelling in that area that uh, you neglect those other things, the leadership, the communication, the rela- relationship skills. So something I'm curious about is... and. I'm curious, maybe from your own career, John, but also even with the leaders you've worked with and as you coach people, how do you help people to get through that? Like when there's that sense that I, you know, I, I know what I need to know. I've, I've got the certifications for it. What brings people around? Typically, what I find is asking the question, what is the biggest challenge that you have right now? Or you ask, you know, what are some significant problems that you've had to deal with in the last week or two? Generally, when you ask someone in a technical field a question like that, I'll use the CPA field as, a, as an example again, they're not saying that uh, they got hung up on some tax rule or some accounting pronouncement. It's almost always related to some organizational issue or a relationship issue something that has to do with uh, difficulty working with someone else in the organization. Maybe they've got uh, a challenging employee that a direct report that uh, they're having to figure out, okay, how do I help this person get on track and get aligned with where we want to go? It can be their boss, you know, leading up is uh, one of those superpowers that, uh, that we all need when we're not the CEO. 
And so you start asking questions around, okay, what are those big challenges or problems you're dealing with? Generally, that stuff comes out. And then you can start asking questions around, okay, what if you found some ways to navigate those challenges? You know, how would that impact the relationships with people on your team or people in other departments? You get to a place where people feel like, wow, that would take a lot of the stress out of my day. Now you've got more of an openness to explore some of these leadership areas and, uh, and the other soft skills that go with that. I'm loving this advice of, for those of us, I mean, I know there's technical people listening, but there's also many of us who are listening who work with technical people, lead technical people, maybe even are married to technical people. And just by asking that question and starting to raise awareness, if someone doesn't have that awareness, it can be really beneficial to identify what's the what's the path forward and where you may go. And that I'm curious about too, John, when you are working with technical people, what are the kinds of things that you see maybe that are have been easily overlooked or the kinds of things that maybe other folks have received in training or experience that they often benefit from? I think there's a few key areas. And again, speaking from the CPA profession, we know that uh, there's an increased need for strategic thinking. Uh, CFOs in private industry, that's one of the things that their bosses, the CEOs, are looking for. They don't want just the transactional piece. They don't want just the financial reports, not even just the analysis, but they want somebody that can come to the table, be part of those strategic conversations about where are we going as an enterprise? What are the opportunities that we have out there on the horizon? How can we fund some of these new initiatives that might turn into you know, new business lines and, and new opportunities? So they're looking for those kinds of capabilities. You don't get to that with just keeping your nose down and going through the daily grind. You referred to solitude earlier, and I think that's one of the skills that we need to develop is that ability to break away, to step back from the, uh, the whirlwind and to really think about, okay, what are the most important things that I have to work with? Not necessarily the most urgent, but the most important so strategic thinking fits into that building teams. You know, we're finding that uh, uh, the the talent challenges that are out there about developing and retaining top talent comes down to how do you build a cohesive team where people really enjoy working together. They feel like they're progressing in their career, they're growing, they're developing, and they're making a, a significant contribution. And I think that there's some skills that go along with that that are uh, very much uh, in need these days. Navigating organizational change. It's all around us. Virtually every industry is facing uh, monumental change. And you have some of those thoughts about, well, everybody resists change. Well, that may be true to some extent, but there are some specific ways that you can go about navigating change where you can roll that out. You can get people on board and get over that hump to some of those new things that you might want to pursue that are going to be valuable for your business. And yeah, I think along with that, just continually developing leaders within the firm or within the organization. How do we bring that next generation along so that we're always building our bench in those leadership roles? A lot of times we lack intentionality, and I think that's particularly true in these professional service fields or these technical fields where we've gotten accustomed to, you know, they're a good accountant or they're a good lawyer or they're a good engineer. So we'll just promote them to the next level. Well, have we really prepared them to take on that new role? 
So I think those are some uh, areas that uh, that we need to develop as well. It's interesting that you mentioned lack of intentionality. When you have worked with firms or clients or maybe even your own organization in the past, what have you seen for leaders or firms that do have intentionality? What are they doing differently that the rest of us haven't thought about or aren't seeing? I, I like to think in terms of a leadership pipeline, or you could also use the term pathway. I think that applies at the organizational level as well as at the individual level. Organizationally, it's a matter of looking at from the very you know, bottom level to the top level, if you want to use the typical hierarchy. How do we move people along and how do we have leaders that are able to step into these roles at each level of the organization? Depending on the size of the business, there are going to be a different numbers of levels. I mean, you have small businesses where you might only have two or three levels of leadership. You get to you know very large multinational global corporations, and you've got you know dozens or even potentially hundreds of levels of leadership. But looking at that as a pipeline or a pathway, and seeing that at each step along the way, we've got different capabilities, different competencies, new mindsets, different kinds of behavior that we're going to have to instill to get people into a, a, to function in a successful way in that role. On the individual side, it's a matter of looking at that individual and saying, okay, how do we prepare him or her for the leadership role that he or she is already in? And at the same time, get them ready, prepare them for what might come next. We know now that the younger generations want to see that career progression. They don't want to be in the dark about that. They want to have a sense of, okay, what's the pathway that I'm on? And so it's about getting intentional, both on the organizational side and the individual side. What are the skills, the capabilities that we need at each of these levels? And how do we go about developing them? Because there are a number of different strategies, anything from more one-on-one style, mentoring, coaching, to the group training or further education, you know, sending somebody back to get an MBA or some other type of uh, advanced degree. As you were saying that, I was thinking about an aerospace customer I've worked with over the years, and they've actually been really intentional about that on the organizational side, where they now have a technical track for leadership as well. I mean, traditionally, a lot of times you could you could only go so far in the technical side, and you had to if you really wanted to move your career, you need to go into the management side of the business, even in a technical organization. and And they've they've really developed a great technical path, and it is it is as as well respected, if not more so, in the organization than the traditional management path. And there comes along with that very intentional leadership development. Uh, in addition to all the technical development that you'd suggest, and it really has made a difference in how technical people are viewed and developed within the organization. It's just fabulous. Yeah, I think that's an important observation. And a lot of the state associations, whether it be for engineers, attorneys, CPAs, are recognizing that. And so conferences that they put on may have a technical track or a variety of different technical tracks that they will offer. And then in addition to that, create some kind of a leadership track. And so it gives that professional the opportunity to work in both of those areas. I think it's absolutely critical for an organization to look at it that way to say, okay, we can't neglect the technical side. They still need those technical skills. Our clients, our customers are relying on us to provide that level of expertise. So we can't walk away from that but at the same time, to balance that out and to say, we need the, the leadership development side, we need those non-technical skills 
just as well. So how do we create that balance? I think it's a matter of creating an intentional plan. It might be looking at it for a year at a time or even going out, say, three to five years to say, what are the things that we want this individual or the people that are in this position to learn, to know, to uh, excel at in order to advance? As you're saying that, I'm I'm thinking about some of the traditional stereotypes around this, John, of, of course, and, and you and I have both run into them, and we've seen them, where technical people don't think they need leadership or you know too smart forward or whatever the stereotype is, and, and we talked about one of them earlier. But uh, my experience has been more the opposite of that. Um, when I've been privileged to engage with technical people who are going through a leadership development program or training or coaching... More often than not, sometimes sometimes the, the start might be a little bit slower as far as making the case for it. But once we get into it, I've found that in a lot of cases, the technically minded folks will move even faster than the other folks in the organization as far as really jumping in. And, and because they have such a great training for discipline and consistency and knowing that things are going to be hard and you're not going to get it right the first time. And they're fine. I shouldn't say they're fine, but they're they're more comfortable with failure, I think, than a lot of times the rest of us are. And and so uh, I've actually found that um, that it's it's been a joy to work with technical people because they're, they're smart enough to know what they don't know and they have that desire to learn and to grow. Have you run into that too in your work? Yeah, I think there are a number of advantages that uh, those that come from the technical side can bring to leadership development. As you said, you know, they've learned that, that discipline. They've had to go through the rigor of training in those technical areas and they can bring that same mindset and that same approach to the non-technical side. So you can have you know, some of these uh, technical professionals. You take a, a CFO in private industry who is very process-oriented and can create structure around a leadership development program, you know, not only for him or herself and, and the finance team, but across the organization. You know, a lot of times the technical side, that's where we get the more systematic, structured approach. And, and you can uh, create something that's much more intentional, that has some uh, goals and outcomes that are assigned to it, even some metrics where you've got the ability to measure, is this program effective or not? And of course, that's one of the things that we hear about training sometimes is that, you know, how do we know if this is really effective? Well, you can lean into people on that technical side. They can probably help you to, to figure that out. So I think that's, uh, that, that's really helpful to tap into those technical mindsets and bring that into the leadership development side. They, they like the complexity, and so bring that uh, challenge and uh, you know have them be part of that conversation. I'm glad you mentioned that because that is, I would say generally that's not an area that the coaching, training, leadership development industry is as strong in as, say, for example, uh, financial folks are of really tracking. And uh, some some folks are, but uh, that's that's a real challenge. There's a lot we can learn from uh, from folks who bring that that perspective. And I'm curious also about what are some of the strategies that you've utilized with clients to help them to get to move down that path. Um, are there things that you find that you tend to utilize as go to strategies that get people moving down the leadership development uh, journey faster? I think a big part of it is creating a vision. Where do you want to go as an organization or as a firm? Maybe it's where you want to go as a team and seeing how your people will progress along that journey. If you're looking at this from an individual standpoint, it's not really any different. You've got that vision of where you want to go. 
and you recognize here are the things that I need to learn, here are the things that I need to develop in order to achieve that vision. And once you have the vision in place, you can start creating some specific goals around that and some objectives, and you can map out a, a plan on how to get there. So I think that's really where it starts. You know, it starts with vision and then some goals and then put the, the action plans together to, to get there. And, uh, and kind of looping back to what we were just mentioning of, of being more quantitative and having structure around it. What does the vision look like, John? What are, what are some things you've seen that show up with a vision? Like, is it, is it a document? Is it a, is, is it a phrase? What, how does it actually show up? I think the vision can take different forms. I think it can take, if you're looking at it from an individual standpoint, maybe more so if somebody is employed by a large company, it's like, okay, where do I ultimately want to land in terms of my career progression? If I'm in the finance department of a large global company and I'm starting out at the, you know, at the entry level, do I eventually want to be the CEO of this company? Or do I want to be the CFO? Maybe I'm content with just advancing to being at a supervisor level. And so looking at what that position might require in terms of the capabilities, in terms of the expertise, and then mapping out a plan. I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, actually, as opposed to just having this in your head, sitting down with a piece of paper and figuring out, okay, what are the steps to, to get there? And then figuring out where can I get that input from? You know, is that by attending conferences? Is that by going back to school and getting an advanced degree? Uh, do I need to get some coaching around that? And so even in my coaching work, uh, we talk a lot about, you know, what are those bullet points, those skills, those capabilities that we want to develop over the course of time? And then we look back at that and we say, okay, are we making progress in those areas so that hopefully, you know, when we get to the, to the end, you, your supervisor, your peers, even your direct reports can say, yes, I've been able to, to grow in those areas. What's something you've learned from one of your clients that's been really neat or innovative that uh, is something you think more technical folks should be doing? I think the big thing has been seeing people who are able to pull themselves out of the, the weeds to look at the bigger, more important things. Um, if I'm talking with a CFO, for example, I'll talk in terms of what are the things that are really important for you to focus on that aren't necessarily urgent? And I'll use the example of payroll. If you're a CFO and it's you or your team that's responsible for payroll, today's payday and you fall down on the job, there's instant accountability. There's no one, <laughs> there's no one that's going to let that one go by. But if you fail to pull out of the, the weeds, pull out of the daily grind to focus on some things that are more strategic, do some thinking in that area, no one's going to call you on the carpet for that tomorrow. No one's probably going to call you on the carpet for that next week or next month. But if you continually neglect that, eventually, could be six months, a year, two or three years down the road, something's going to hit you, something's going to hit your team or your organization, and people are going to go, why didn't we see that coming? And you get blindsided by something that, you know, if I had been more disciplined about stepping back and focusing in on these things that are important but not urgent, we, we would have caught that. We would have been in a position to respond. And what I've seen is I've seen some clients that have been able to build those routines into their workflow where every week they are scheduling time on their calendar 
to do these higher value, more important things. Sometimes it means getting away from their, their regular office where all those distractions come, going to someplace offsite where they can be alone. I've even done that myself where I might sit in a coffee shop or I've done it at park benches and picnic shelters where I just need to get away from all the noise and concentrate on some things that, uh, that require higher level thinking. So it can be done. It takes some work. It takes some discipline, but uh, it pays off in the long run. Mon, as we mentioned a bit ago, technical folks know discipline really well because they've had to do it throughout their careers. So a lot of times that can fit into a really solid leadership development plan. I, I want to ask you one other uh, question here, John. I, one of our academy members, uh, CPA, uh, Lisa, who you met actually in Chicago when we were all out there, and we were talking back and forth on, on this conversation. And uh, you know, she was interested in just some of the communication skills as far as helping technical people leverage their skills better around getting their message across. And one of the things that we were talking about was personal branding. And I know you have some thoughts on this, on just how, uh, especially for a technical person, on just how they like to be, or, or they should be, or want to be perceived in the workplace. I like the approach that uh, I actually got from Tom Henschel, who's been on your show, and it's uh, it's essentially the three-word personal branding. You know, it's think of three words that describe you when you show up as your best self, or what you aspire to in terms of your best self. And what would three words be that people would say about you? And I think that gives you the ability then to create a reputation, which is essentially what a personal brand is, in your organization of being those things. Hopefully, you're looking for things that pull you above those technical areas. I'll use an example of that from a client that I worked with who is a financial analyst. And when we were working together, I gave him that assignment, you know, the three-word approach to personal branding. He came back and he said, I've got my, I've got my word. Well, he had really only come up with one word and it was firestarter. And I thought, firestarter, that's an interesting way to approach things as a financial analyst. We don't think of financial analysts as being firestarters. <laughs> right. What he said was, I don't want to just create reports. I don't want to just create analysis. What I want to do is create conversations. I want to create discussion around what's really important for our business owners and managers to focus on. What are the things that uh, we need to pay attention to that come out of all these financial reports that we generate? And so he took it upon himself to become a fire starter and to use the work that he was doing to generate and to initiate a lot of those conversations. And it wasn't long before his boss and others within the organization took notice that he was really operating at a different level. So I think that's helpful to think in terms of that personal brand. You know, How do you show up as your best self in every situation so that people don't just see you as the bean counter, if you want to pull a term from the accounting world, but see you as a more valued player within the organization? And boy, one of the key things for for me uh, from what you just said is starting with ourselves, making that decision. And then also, what's the word you want other people thinking about you? Not necessarily the word you'd use for yourself, but what do you want other people thinking? And if you approach it that way with consistency, <laughs> really powerful. Uh, uh, and and, if, and when it, we think about words, of course, one of the words you've heard me say a lot on the show, John, is failure. Uh, you and I have talked about it. Uh, I'm curious... When you look back on your leadership journey, uh, both as a leader yourself, now external organizations come in and helping coach leaders, what's a failure you've had or maybe the biggest thing you've learned as a leader that, that the rest of us would gain from? 
It's interesting that you asked that question, Dave, as a technical professional or somebody that came from a technical background myself. It didn't have anything to do with anything technical whatsoever, but had to do with relationships. And it's happened to me twice. And I would say it it has to do with how you go about navigating and resolving conflict. I've had two situations in my career where there was some significant conflict that I thought we had gotten to the bottom of and thought we had gotten resolved and only later came to find out that there was still enough left in that conflict, whatever those issues were, that they re-emerged later and created bigger problems. So I would say one of the things that I've learned, I've, I've heard it uh, said this way, is that you know when you go into a conflict and you're trying to work through that, make sure you get through the last 5%. Because a lot of times we feel like we've done really well getting to the 95% of it, But if you leave that 5% on the table and don't get it resolved, it can come back to haunt you later. John Lockhorst is a leadership coach and consultant and partners with CPAs, CFOs, and other leaders facing big change. Uh, We're going to link up to everything John's got here in the show notes. John, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dave. I enjoyed the conversation. John and I were talking after our conversation, and he's got a few additional resources posted up on his website. There's a free white paper on how to create a professional development plan. So if you are a technical leader or maybe an aspiring technical leader, I'd certainly encourage you to check that out. It's a downloadable PDF. It also includes a free e-course to help you build a strong personal foundation. You can access that at lockhorstconsulting.com slash coaching for leaders. I'll have that link in the show notes as well as this week's weekly leadership guide. So thanks again, John. And in addition, if you've been listening for a while, you've probably heard me mention the Coaching for Leaders Academy. The Academy is a year-long experience that's all about access to great relationships with other leaders. Academy members get access to other leaders in our listening community who care a lot, who bring an outside and objective perspective. It is coaching and mentoring, not a curriculum. It's all about us meeting each other where we are and helping us all keep accountable for moving forward. And I am opening applications for the Academy again on Monday, September 11th, 2017. But if you're thinking about applying or if you'd like to learn more about the Academy, I highly suggest visiting coachingforleaders.com slash academy to get on the early alert list. There will be an early application opportunity, and there will be a special offer for those who are on the early alert list prior to September 11th. So be sure to get there now if you'd like to discover more. Again, that's coachingforleaders.com slash academy. And of course, if you're listening for the very first time or you've just started listening, you can get access to tons more resources and our weekly leadership guide by activating your free membership. That's at the Coaching for Leaders website. Just go over to coachingforleaders.com. Now, a few related episodes to today's conversation. Uh, If you found this conversation helpful, you might also enjoy listening to episode 240, How to Influence Numerous Stakeholders. Andy Kaufman and I had a conversation on that episode about how to navigate 
leadership and project management, when you've got lots of stakeholders in the mix, those of you who are in technical leadership uh, navigate this even more. Uh, it's been my experience in my career the last few years that seems like just about every project involves at least three or four stakeholders, if not more. Uh, that's something that technical leaders navigate even more than the rest of us. Episode 240 is a great resource. Andy and I spent a bunch of time talking about tactical ways to influence a lot of different stakeholders. Also, check out episode 259, How to Figure Out Your Career with my friend Scott Barlow. Episode 259 goes through uh, some of the frameworks to be thinking about career change, career movement, career planning, and uh, technical leaders often are thinking about next steps in their careers. And and, and in fact, technical people are in general. Uh, I think uh, John and I mentioned in our conversation, there's this point a lot of times that technical folks reach in their careers where they do need to decide if they're going to move into leadership or management or maybe continue to lead in a more technical capacity. Uh, if you're at that place of trying to figure out that uh, that uh, question, or maybe you're just thinking about career questions in general, I'd certainly encourage you to listen to episode 259 if you haven't already. And then finally, I would also suggest listening to episode 264, How to Get into Leadership Flow with Croft Edwards. In that episode, we talked about how to find that state of flow, that state where you lose track of time because you're enjoying your work so much. And you can get in the state of leadership flow too. It was a really popular episode when it aired. Croft Edwards is an executive coach, goes through his philosophy and model for how to really get into flow effectively. So that's episode 264. You can access all of the past episodes by going to coachingforleaders.com slash the episode number. And next week, I'm glad to welcome Bonnie back to the show. It's our monthly Q&A show, first Monday of the month. If you have a question for us that you'd like to consider for this upcoming Q&A show or a future one, go over to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback, submit your question. We look forward to responding to it. Have a great week and see you next Monday. Monday.